Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe and today I am back with another interview. Today I am so excited to welcome Emily Henry, the author of People We Meet on Vacation, or you may know her as the author of Beach Read, a smash hit from last summer, or one of her previously published YA titles. Emily's latest book, People We Meet on Vacation, is a delightful rom-com that has been everywhere during this summertime season. It's a great book to pick up if you're looking for something light, fun, with a lot of heart, which those are all things I look for in a contemporary, traditionally published romance novel. I also had a great time speaking with Emily. I'm so grateful for her time and what she shares was from writing tips to how it feels to put art out into the world. It was a conversation that I could really, really relate to and I'm so pleased to share it with you today. So here's my conversation with Emily Henry. Welcome to Read It or List It, Emily. We are so happy to have you. Before we have Emily introduce yourself, I'm just going to say this is the first time I'm recording an interview after we brought our puppy Beasley home and uh, she's not happy that she's not in here with me. So if we hear any yips, that's Beasley in the background. <laughs> but we are joined today by Emily Henry, the author of People We Meet on Vacation and Beach Read, all of those wonderful summary books. So welcome, Emily. We'd love if you could begin by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much, Phoebe. I'm so happy to be here, first of all. Um, so yeah, like Phoebe said, I am the author of Beach Read and People We Meet on Vacation, as well as a couple of novels for teens that um, came out a few years ago. Um, and my newest is the story of Alex and Poppy, who are two unlikely best friends who meet in college. And over the years, the way they keep their friendship intact is by taking this yearly summer trip. Um, and at the start of the book, they haven't been on the trip for two years. They've had this mysterious falling out and Poppy is sort of in a rut career-wise, um, life-wise. And she decides that what she needs to be happy again and to feel fulfilled is to get Alex back into her life. So she convinces him to take one last summer trip to try to fix what went wrong. So the story is told over the course of all those 10 vacations in the past, as well as the present day vacation of them trying to repair their relationship. And I think it's, you know, like perfect for, <laughs> for us as we're emerging from our cocoons of the last year. And I think it's also just good for a good read for anyone who's kind of dealing with career burnout or mm -hmm. thinking about changing directions um, in life and, and taking a new path. Yeah, I really enjoyed it for both of those reasons. I'm sure listeners are tired. I feel like I say this in every interview, um, but I'm an actor. So the last year has been really challenging um, with Broadway being closed. My husband and I had to move out of the New York City because um, he also worked in theater. And uh, I could really relate to Poppy's struggles where, you know, this thing that you wanted to do your whole life yeah. now maybe isn't like you can see that there could be another side of things. And it's really scary to accept that. But I wasn't sure when you were writing it. So if you were able to, was it fun to like dream up all of these locations yeah. while we weren't really allowed to travel? Yeah. So it really, I know the book reads like as this exact reaction to the <laughs> situation of COVID, but I actually wrote the first draft before COVID was mm. a blip in my mind, um, <laughs> which is good because I think I wrote... Um, I don't know, I wrote like out of a place of like happiness and, mm -hmm. and not like, oh, I'm just desperate to escape. But then when yeah. I was revising it, it was COVID had already hit and we were all sort of locked down. And yeah, it was like 
a great experience in that it was fun to revisit those places and to mm -hmm. immerse myself in the idea of travel. Um, and I also think it made the book stronger because I, at that point, had to think about how it would feel to readers who hadn't been able to travel for a full year at this point. And mm -hmm. it gave me a new appreciation, as this last year has done for most yeah. things, it gave me such a new appreciation for even just like weekend trips um, and especially like longer vacations. And I was able to work yeah. that into the book and hopefully, you know, soften some of the edges so it felt like this hopeful, optimistic thing of we're going to get to do this again someday rather than like, oh my gosh, how dare you write a book about travel when we can't go anywhere. Yeah. And um, the, the long distance friendship, the anticipation yeah. of like, oh my gosh, like one week till I get to see you. And like one more, like two days we're sitting on the beach is going to be great. That, um, that was like a really fun aspect too. Uh, yeah. Obviously now we can see a couple more people <laughs> um, and all of that. No, but that's but it was, so true. I mean, that's like, I didn't even think about how that would kind of feel like almost um, COVID friendly in a way. And I think, you know, with Beach Read, it was similar. It was like these two characters are mostly only in their houses. And so in a way it was like a pandemic friendly read. And with this one, I think that excitement of someday we're all going to be together again um, is yeah. very potent for all of us right now. Definitely. So I really loved the dedication that you had in people we meet on vacation. I abbreviated it in my notes. So I keep just looking at Pobamov <laughs> when I'm like, remember to say. Pobamov. Yeah, we can um, talk about that. Um, and, um, so you wrote your first adult contemporary novel, Beach Read. You said you wrote that for you and the second book was for readers. And could you elaborate on that a little bit? What, um, what sort of that meant to you? Definitely. So I wrote Beach Read actually in 2016, maybe even 2015. I've been saying 2016 for like a year's worth of interviews, but now I'm thinking <laughs> it might've been 2015. I can't remember for sure, but the point is I wrote it um, years ago and I didn't really have intentions to try and sell it. It was a book that I was working on kind of between two different young adult projects and I had some open time and I knew what kind of story I wanted to be immersed in. And, you know, I had just felt like the world was very dark and scary at that point. And I wanted to write something that felt really good to be working mm -hmm. on. And so it was this secret project that was a gift to myself and no one knew about it. I mean, my husband knew I was working on something, but I didn't tell him anything about it. He knew I would just kind of disappear into my office. And I, I sometimes do this thing where I, I draw like a, like a thermometer basically. And I fill up, you know, the thermometer or whatever the bar as I go, like getting closer and closer to the end of the book. So I was doing that, but I wasn't talking about it. And then a couple of years went by and, you know, we saw this huge resurgence of the rom-com genre. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, maybe it had always been there, but there was a shift to in like the covers and the marketing presentation where all these new romance readers were flooding in and finding yeah. this space. And at that point I emailed my agent and was like, I didn't mention this before because it seemed irrelevant, but I actually wrote like a book like, like this. Um, and so I sent it to her and she had some thoughts and she suggested some other books for me to read to kind of familiarize myself more with the genre as it is now. Um, and at that point, you know, we decided to try and sell it. And so it was this book that really was only for me, which is a really rare thing. Once you start publishing, you just, your work no longer only belongs to you. And that's the goal, but it still is weird because it changes your process forever. Like you just... Mm -hmm. 
every time you sit down to write, you think there's a very good chance someone could read this. And there's such a freedom in writing something that you're not sure anyone will ever read. And, you know, that sounds excruciating and maybe to the, to the aspiring writers out there who haven't published yet, they might find that hard to imagine. But every writer friend of mine agrees, like that every publishing writer friend of mine agrees that like once your work is out in a professional capacity, it sort of shifts your process forever. And yeah. Beach Read was so special to me because it was something I was doing just for myself. And I wasn't thinking about how people would read it. I wasn't thinking about if the pacing was good enough or if they would find the characters annoying or anything like that. I was really just writing something that I wanted to write. And mm -hmm. that was really amazing and such a gift to me. And then for it to come out and be so well, well received was such an incredible gift to me. Um, and at that point, you know, I really just wanted... I guess, so I wrote People We Meet on Vacation before Beach Read came out, but I had seen kind of the momentum building and I had seen early reviews and, you know, just like NetGalley reviews and mm -hmm. all of that. And um, Book of the Month put it out a month early. So there was, you know, some more coming from that direction, more like input. And so when I wrote this next book, I knew there was a very good chance that my readership would have grown like <laughs> way more than it had ever been. And mm -hmm. so I just was thinking really consciously then that like, I wanted my next book to feel like the same kind of gift to readers that Beach Read had felt to me. Like I wanted it to be a book that really swept people away and that brought them happiness and made them feel safe and warm and loved. And everything I did with that book was with that in mind. And, you know, obviously like COVID has changed so much but I, I'm really grateful that if we had to live through this, that I was able to put out this exact book mm -hmm. during this time because there wasn't much else I could do to like help <laughs> the world or just anything in general, you know, um, like donating, sharing information, all of that, wearing my mask, doing my part, but, but to be able to, to put this little thing out into the universe and be like, if you're having a hard day, pick this up like yeah. that felt really really special to me and like a huge honor to be able to um yeah just like give someone the joy that I was brought by this book and also from that readership you know like I wanted to honor the incredible gift of this career that has now been given to me and mm -hmm. I wanted this book to feel like I see and understand what you as readers have given me and I don't take it for granted. Oh, I love that. Well, I, I think it's definitely the fan base is huge. Um, and I think even more so I, I read Beach Read last year um, when I was supposed to get married last year um, and that didn't happen. We got oh, married yeah. this spring. Um, and so the weekend that was supposed to be a bachelorette party, I was like, I'm going to pick up Beach Read because what else do I have going for me? And it was, a, I had a great experience reading it. And this book too is just so, um, uh, people who me on vacation was really, really special and I could read it quickly, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Um, so I think that people, I think that's really special and I can definitely relate to what you were saying about, um, when you put something out into the world, it's no longer yours. Cause yeah. when I started my space on the internet, it was yeah. for me, it was a creative outlet. And then all of a sudden when people start flocking to it, you're it's exciting. And then also, you know, now when I read, I'm like, oh, am I missing something here yeah. that like 
is like, you know, is this going to hurt someone and what it like something like that. And it's, right. it's hard. Um, so yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> um, so I love that. I love the inspiration behind it. And I really loved getting to know Alex and Poppy through their travels. Um, like that saying where you don't really know someone until you travel with them. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. And I actually read, I read The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley, who we just had on the show as well, uh, which takes place in Palm Springs. And then I picked up your book when I was like, oh, I'm going back to Palm Springs, but in a totally different way. (laughs) Yes, in a much less pleasant way. (laughs) (laughs) Still really hot though, emphasis on the heat there. Um, So I loved getting to know them through their travels. Which of the trips was your favorite to write about? I loved all of them. And I think also every time I've been asked this question, I've answered it differently because in that moment, I'll just think of one specifically and be like that one. Um, (laughs) But I guess I've been thinking about, um, there's a particular trip and for, so that anyone who hasn't read it yet, there's a particular trip that gets canceled and I won't say which trip it is and writing everything that happened around the trip that got canceled was actually probably my favorite, which is yeah. really funny because it's not even a trip. But I think the, the point stands, like you were saying, when you travel with someone, you get to know them in this whole new way. You see how they do under duress. <laughs> um, you see how they are in traffic. You see like how quickly they can laugh things off when, when one of you was in a bad mood and how quickly you can move past conflict and all of that. And um, in this particular scene, it's like not exclusively or explicitly like a travel scene, but I think the heart of that is still there. It's like, how, how will these two people operate when things are less than perfect? Um, yeah. And kind of like also thinking to like daily life too. Like it's like the one glimpse you get at like how these two people are just in one of their normal worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, very swoony. It's a nice little swoony yeah. moment as well. Um, when we started the podcast, my podcast partner is a lawyer, so she's not always able to join me during the day. Um, we One of the reasons why we wanted to start it was to talk about the resurgence of romance novels and how um, the illustrated covers were a big thing that I think, uh, not that there's anything wrong with like the, you know, the half naked men on the yeah. covers and all of that, but I think that was like women get shamed for wanting to pick up romance novels and all of a sudden when they became more palatable in a bookstore so many more people were willing to say hey that's what I read and uh so all that to say is that inside of these books that have these very sweet covers there are still these like wonderful swoony moments I loved Alex um I always say that my favorite trope is like enemies to lovers but Mm -hmm. my husband and I were friends for years Mm -hmm. (laughs) before we got together and I'm like I'm a sucker for a good friends to lovers moment. Yeah, I think they're like really hard to pull off too. So when you find a good one, it's just like, yes, this is yeah, the- yeah, definitely. Okay, but speaking of these uh, these leading men, if you had to choose between Gus and Alex, oh my gosh. who is- <laughs> I'm sure like there's party part they they do have a lot of similarities they're very broody in a way um but if you if you had to pick between them yeah I think that like Gus is the one that I would like date in my 20s and then Alex is like the one that I would marry you know so when you have your third adult book out we will have the uh yeah the 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 FMK list exactly who who you want to have fun I would murder (laughs) (laughs) 
a little bit. We'll see. I mean, I definitely couldn't handle the love interest from my next book. Um, I couldn't handle personally, but I love him as a, as a lead. It's fun to write about, but you don't need him in your, yeah. in your real life. <laughs> I'm not enough like the heroine for that to make sense. It's like, I think we're good together. <laughs> yeah. um, so the legend always says that the, the sophomore novel is even more difficult to write. And obviously you've written other books and your YA novels. Um, but was this more difficult to write than Beatreed or? Um, oh my gosh. So I, so yeah, that is such a common, that is such a common thread and you know they call it like the sophomore slump um there's like a name for it and like everybody dreads the sophomore novel so because I've had these kind of two distinct careers I've had two debut novels and then I've had two sophomore novels and I will say that I wrote both my sophomore novels before both of my debut debut novels came out Mm. which was super helpful um because I think like we've been talking about once something once you're fully aware that something belongs to other people as well it becomes so much harder to create because there's all these other voices in your head and you know all of that and i will say that my third books for both my ya career and my adult career have kind of taken the place of the sophomore novel where they both were so hard to write um and i feel like i battled for them hard um and wound up with you know it's not totally finished but i i've wound up with something that i'm really proud of and excited about but there were so many like moments when I was just like, what is this book? I, I've never really felt quite so much like I was carving a book from like solid rock. And I, you know, I really like this last read through, I just have been like, oh, I think it's good now. But for a long <laughs> time, I was just like, what is this book? Um, so all that to say for anyone who hasn't published yet, but is hoping to or planning to, do yourself a favor and stockpile as many finished books as you can (laughs) before that and take the pressure off yourself. And always, if you're able, write your next book before that one comes out. Can't even imagine how I started a little bit of writing in the last year. um, And one of my friends and I are working on something together. And it's just like the days that are hard are hard. Um, So what is your process like? Do you have any advice to get through those hard days? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. My process. So I am now in an extraordinary, an extraordinarily lucky situation, which is that I'm writing full-time. And I know that's like kind of a rarity. So first I have to start with that caveat that I'm lucky to be able to do that. Um, but it wasn't always that way for me. So I will say like my process, I try to draft very quickly. Um, I've always done it that way. When I was a college student, I would try to draft very, mm-hmm. very quickly. When I had a full-time job, I would still try to draft very quickly, even though it meant like getting up at five <laughs> in the morning when I am not a human being yet. Um, but now I will, I get up in the morning and I don't do really anything before I start writing. I get myself a cup of coffee. I don't really eat before I start writing. I just dive straight into it. Um, so I've made as few decisions in my real life before I'm trying to live in my creative one. And that works well for me. And also the caveat that what works for one person, we, we all know is not like yes. the golden ticket, <laughs> like you have to figure out what works for you and not worry if it doesn't look like someone else's process um but I prefer yeah to write first thing in the morning I don't let myself quit until I've hit 2,000 words and sometimes that means I'm done in an hour sometimes it means I'm done in eight hours um which again like I'm lucky to be able to, to do that I will say I don't get 
any more work done than I used to do when I had a lot of other obligations. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like you were saying, it's like when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it is horrid. Um, yeah. It's my favorite part of following writers on Twitter where they're like, today I put on pants and I wrote the. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote the, and that's it. And you can't beat yourself up about it or make your, convince yourself that that means that you're not a real writer because it just is hard. I think all Mm. the way, I think all the time about that Hemingway quote um, where he says something like, it's easy to write. All you have to do is sit down at the typewriter and bleed. And when I heard that quote in college or high school for the first time, I thought that what he was saying was like, you're excavating your soul and you're, you know, it's, it's so hard because you're, you're bleeding onto the page. You're sharing your deepest thoughts and all of this stuff. And within the last year, I had this sudden realization where I was like, I don't think that's what he meant. (laughs) I think he meant that it's excruciating. It's so weird. Like, it's not always that way. It's like you do it for the days that aren't like that. But those days are the exception and they they feel so magical that they make all the excruciating days worth it. But once I realized that it was so freeing because I just accepted that like, this is hard. Um, It doesn't mean that it's not working. doesn't mean the book is broken. It just means that it's hard. At least that's how I operate. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if I have eight hours or if I have one hour, I have to make the same amount of (laughs) words happen. And sometimes even just having like a hard out, like a scheduled Mm -hmm. deadline for the day will make me work a lot faster. Or if I say I'm not allowed to do this until I have done my 2000 words, like I sometimes will reward myself with video games or with TV shows or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of that folds really neatly into my biggest piece of advice, which is you know, going off of that Hemingway quote, writing is (laughs) hard and you will try to find every single reason and excuse not to write. And I don't know what it is, but it feels like this like survival instinct where you're like, I could fail. If I write, I could fail. And that's the worst outcome I can imagine. And so I will simply not write. And I don't mean that on like a grand scale of like giving up your writing dreams, although that happens. I mean, every single day when I'm drafting, I wake up, (laughs) this is like really probably making people be like, I do not want to be a writer. I wake up with a pit of dread in my stomach when I'm drafting. And that pit does not close up until I have started working. Um, And so what I'll do is I will sometimes turn off my internet Um, sometimes I'll sit outside on my computer and I won't have my phone by me, whatever. And I will just sit there until I have written and I won't, you know, like I will remove all of the obstacles Mm -hmm. and it's hard, but I have found that like the, my, my biggest refrain or mantra is that if you don't write it, you've already failed. And so if your fear of failure is keeping you from writing, like it's actually making you to making you fail. If you're just afraid you can't pull off this book, or you're afraid the words won't come or it will be bad, you are you are stopping yourself from the chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. And it's always better in my opinion to have written the wrong book or the wrong paragraph for the day than to have kept yourself from writing anything at all. And you know, some days I write 2000 words and nothing happens. Like those page, those words are coming out at the end of this book because there's nothing going on. The characters are at the grocery store. Um, but, but I've made myself write. And sometimes I've, I've really found that if I force myself to just 
hike around in a story, eventually I hit on something interesting almost every single time. So don't be afraid to write something bad. Don't be afraid to write something you're going to have to cut later. Just start writing and, and try that word goal and see if that works for you. Yeah. It's almost like, even if it's not important, important information for the reader, it's important right. information for the writer. So exactly. you can get rid of all that stuff. Um, but I also always wonder when we're like, oh my gosh, I binged your book in a day. And you're like, yeah. it took me 18 months <laughs> to write it. <laughs> I think about that all the time too, because when I'm reading a, an author who I love, I finish it and I'm just like, I need more. I need more. I think about um, <laughs> Evie Dunmore is someone I read her first three books. Yeah. Um, she writes fantastic historical romances and they're so well researched and every time I finish one I'm just like oh my gosh I have to wait another year for this and even that I'm like how is she doing this in a year this takes a lot of work um <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. Like the best compliment ever when somebody reads your book in a day but you are sort of like you're gonna be waiting a while <laughs> it's like I um like on Thanksgiving my mom's always like this meal took me 12 hours and yeah. we're done in 45 minutes yeah. exactly. exactly but it means it's good and people love it and like right. you know so it's just one of those funny funny things maybe that's also what the the bleeding quote means <laughs> yeah like, right took all my energy yeah um, no truly <laughs> so one of the things we love to do on the show is uh pair books with songs so if you this is sometimes a very stressful question um but if you were to pair a song with people we meet on vacation what would you choose for some reason my answer lately has been wild horses by the rolling stones mm -hmm. i'm not even sure why i think just the idea of like these two people who are like nothing nothing can really separate us like yeah you know we're my, God, we're my godfather will love that he's a huge rolling stones <laughs> Cool. Yeah, awesome. we we grew up with the stones. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, I totally totally agree with that. They they had a really fun connection for us to uh, to experience through them. Um, all right, we are just about out of time. These always go by so quickly. So before we say goodbye, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I think just read more romance. <laughs> um, we fully support that statement. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> read all the romance. Well, People We Meet on Vacation is available wherever you get your books now. Thank you so much for joining me, Emily. This has been such a special interview. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me and for having such great questions. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.